the Colts. From the Ohio News Network, this is Ohio Sports Magazine. Now here's your host, Matt Andrews. Greetings and welcome to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine here on the Ohio News Network. Buckeye football is in the books, at least for now. We're into spring football approaching, but plenty of time this winter for changes to be made and probably some things to be thought about. Austin Ward is going to join us today on the show. He's the Buckeye Beat reporter for Dot in the Eyes, the podcast. Also joins us on our flagship in Columbus. Austin, thanks for your time. Where do we go from the Cotton Bowl to now? What What is the number one objective for this team, this coaching staff, going forward here into the offseason? Well, there's there's number one A and there's number one Z. This is the <laughs> A comprehensive evaluation process for Ryan Day, and, and he, uh, I think, must include himself in that. When you look at, you know, the disappointing end for Ohio State offensively, and not just in the Cotton Bowl, which we know they were limited with Devin Brown's injury and Lincoln Keenholz being a true freshman at quarterback, it was going to be a challenge for them. But they they were not at their full explosive potential before that in the loss to Michigan and and in other games prior. This was not a season that will be uh, a calling card on Ryan Day's offensive resume. So what does that mean for him in terms of play calling, staff alignment, what moves uh, need to be made to surround himself with people that he trusts and can uh, develop, maximize play calls the whole nine yards. So there's there are a couple you know possibilities for moves that uh, have existed really since the end of regular season uh, and spots on the staff that can be changed. So you go through that process. You're, you're still waiting on some NFL draft decisions uh, as we talk here, Matt. And you've got transfer portal window, additions, subtractions. There's a lot of moving pieces, and this this is a challenging offseason because Ohio State, quite frankly, did have, they've come up short of their goals multiple years in a row, and that's not really something that you can allow in Columbus. Well, let's we'll talk about a number of things. So let's start with the quarterback uh, injury to Devin Brown. And then Lincoln Keynes replacing him in play during the Cotton Bowl was that more of a problem for Ohio State, or was the offensive line and just the question of why that all went down? I guess what kind of insight can you shed on the O line and which one of those issues was a bigger problem for the Buckeyes in Dallas? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that anybody would have been in a great position to thrive the way that that offensive yeah. line played. It was the decision was made, uh, you know middle of the month, we were hearing that Matthew Jones would start at center, that, that he would replace Carson Hensman, who started all 12 games. Uh, he had had some struggles in practice. He had really been considered uh, a possibility to be removed from the lineup in November when we saw Matthew Jones get 10 snaps against Michigan State. Now, that wind, wound up not happening. Uh, they don't make that move until the Cotton Bowl. That was a little bit odd. Uh, then they put Enoch Vamahi in there at right guard, and and they struggled. That was the worst at Ohio State's offensive line, which was not, you know, a top unit in the country throughout the course of the regular season, but had sh- certainly shown some signs of growth. That was uh, a regression in performance, so that made it more difficult. But the, combining that with what seemed to be a limited play-calling menu from Ryan Day and, and what he thought he could put on Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz in terms of operating the passing attack, um, it, it made for a huge challenge, and uh, I don't think that part can be dismissed and out of hand. Also, Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't play, and 
Julian Fleming had left it through the transfer portal, and Kate Stover was on a pitch count at tight end. So by no means was that uh, a definitive assessment of uh, either the 2023 Ohio State offense or what it could look like in 2024, but uh, it it was not uh, the kind of evaluation that I think anybody expected when you're talking about building that quarterback spot in for next year. You don't want to hold too much against somebody like Devin Brown working through an injury, and you certainly a true freshman making their first appearance against a, an SEC team in the Cotton Bowl is not going to be an indicator one way or another what the future holds for Lincoln Keenholz. But throughout that course of the month, it did seem like Ohio State was trending towards uh, an addition in the transfer portal, and I think that that coming out of the Cotton Bowl will probably happen. I was going to ask about that, and to be fair, Austin and I record this middle of this week before airing, so very much something could have changed in the few days since. But Austin, you are you of the belief that if they have to go portal route, that that quarterback perhaps would be guaranteed a job, or is this a, a wide-open deal with the guys that come back? I mean, what kind of risk is there in getting a quarterback from the portal with the money involved and then having competition already on campus. Yeah, and, and that's that's the yeah, million or two million dollar question anymore with the NIL and the transfer portal, Matt. And that, but it's the same one that Ohio State needed to ask when they had conversations with Kyle McCord in the week after the regular season about which direction they wanted to go. And at that time, Ryan Day, hey, not going to guarantee anybody the starting job into 2024, um, and and that you can understand why because he is trying to keep a room together with competition for Devin Brown and Lincoln Kate Holtz and Aaron Nolan, uh, you know, is arriving on campus this month for Ohio state, the, the talented true freshman. But if the course of the rest of December told Ohio state that it needed to remain involved in the transfer portal, which um, my indications are that it did remain that way. And that Ohio state was targeting Will Howard from Kansas state uh, or continuing to transfer. However, things work out when this is on the air, uh, then then they've made a decision that that, that is necessary for the room. I, I think you could you could bet a lot uh, at this time a month ago, like Devin Brown's got an opportunity. He's getting really strong reviews in practice. Maybe this won't be necessary. But, uh, you know, Ryan Day and his coaching staff had a lot more to evaluate leading up to the game itself. They only got one quarter to look at Devin Brown in that uh, itself. Um, so, I if if the decision has been made, that's the direction they want to go. They've, they've got plenty to work with to have informed that choice. A little more with Austin Warber when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Bobby Carpenter once sold workout equipment on QVC Canada. There's no joke here. That actually happened. Morning Juice with Bobby and Beamer. Weekday starting at 6. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destiny. And... Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Austin Ward, the beat writer for the Buckeye Football Program with Dotting the Eyes, the podcast, and a contributor here on our flagship in Columbus joins us on this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. We talked a bit about the coaching situation in Ohio State with the assistants. Do, do you have any concrete knowledge that there will be changes? Do you believe there would be? Do you think that's still, as we record this, being considered from Coach Day? It's, uh, in Ryan Day's own terminology, all options are on the table. Yeah. I do believe that multiple changes are going to be made to this coaching staff. I think if you look at the 
areas where the Buckeyes have fallen short. It's it's not hard to piece the, that all together. The special teams for Ohio State have been subpar to poor for well over a year, dating back to a botched fake in the loss at home to Michigan in 2022, continued in, in the Beach Bowl, and then there was something wrong in virtually every game this season for Ohio State on special teams. So they are somewhat outside of the norm by paying a special teams coordinator full-time position uh, $500,000. So Parker Fleming, I don't believe, is going to return in that role. Um, there are coaches, um, quarterbacks, Coach Corey Dennis, his contract, contract expires in January. I think that that's a spot where Ohio State is uh, exploring moves to potentially bring in a more veteran presence who maybe would be in line to call some plays and take some of the weight off of Ryan Day that we talked about in, in the previous segment, Matt, with, with play calling and those duties. I think that that's likely to happen. And then you'll see, you know, what else the, the deep dive uh, exploration reveals because that you just when you look at Ohio State, they don't have any reason to not be the best coaching staff in the country. They have the financial resources. They have the opportunity to win at a, at a very high level. They compete for championships. They have everything that could possibly be offered to any coach. So if they have people on their staff who aren't being, you know, pursued for promotions or uh, aren't, aren't coveted elsewhere, that should be uh, a red warning light. And I think that there's been maybe some status quo and unwillingness to shake up that staff over the last couple of years because Ohio State was still winning at such a high level. But the program itself expects to beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, and be in the college football playoff every year. And it it has missed on those goals and, and not won championships in enough years that you cannot continue to put those off down the road. Austin, fair or unfair for me to ask, Michigan's success, the urgency is greater now at Ohio State because they're playing for a national title. We'll talk more about that matchup in a bit, but is that more of a a realism right now for Ohio State? I think it. Ohio State already knew, right, because they had been on the field with them and they play them at the end of every year, and uh, that's where they measure themselves first and foremost on those list of goals that I talked about. So they, they knew. like they All three of those games, their roster was more talented. It's still talented as we sit here, still more talented than Michigan as we sit here right now with Michigan two games, you know, two days away from a national championship opportunity. It's, I think that's why the, the coaching changes and the need for that are in such a bright spotlight for Ohio State because they, they have the players continually year after year, the way that they recruit to go out and win those games. So why is that not happening in the most important one to them? That's what this period of self-reflection has to mean. I think that Inside the program, Michigan beating Alabama doesn't necessarily change anything or add any urgency that that shouldn't have already been there. But I do think it ramps up the attention outside on Ryan Day, outside of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, because it's one thing to just come up short against your rival or not win the Big Ten. But if your rival is then going on and winning at the highest level in the sport, that magnifies the issues. Like, Ohio State is not a damaged, irreparably broken program. That's not. I'm not making a case for that in any way. But they they want to measure up against the very best in the sport. And if that then becomes their rival, you have to figure out what is going to close the gap. And that, that does make it more pressing, but it also changes the pressure from outside to deliver in what will be year six for Ryan Day. More with Austin Ward 
Dot in the Eyes, the podcast, when we continue on the Ohio News Network. Hey, folks, it's game day, and the betting's going to be intense, Drew. You said it, Dave, but a good pregame routine keeps betting responsible. That's right. You got to pause before you play. Good call. Sports betting is hot, but it can be risky. And pausing to set limits is an all-star move. That's right, Dave. If you bet on sports, pause before you play to set limits, recognize the risk, and know when to stop. Learn more at pausebeforeyouplay.org. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. Our Winnet affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. From, from the, the Ohio, Ohio News Network. The spotted lanternfly is an invasive plant hopper native to Eastern Asia. Today it's found in 14 states, including Ohio. The beautifully colored insects bring stress to the host plant, often contributing to its decline. Juvenile spotted lanternflies, known as nymphs, and adults prefer to feed on the invasive tree of heaven, but also feed on a wide range of crops, plants, and trees. If you suspect a spotted lanternfly infestation, contact an ISA certified arborist near you. To learn more, visit trees4ohio.org. That's trees4ohio.org. Have you ever thought about having a podiatric physician examine your feet? Doctors of podiatric medicine set broken bones, perform wound care, and remove bunions. Common health issues that they treat include ingrown or fungal nails, corns, warts, and skin problems like athlete's foot. Foot exams are easy and can prevent many foot problems. If you can't walk, work, or enjoy sports activities without pain, what are you waiting for? To find a podiatric physician who is a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614 Would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614-470-2000. The Fan. The Fan. Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine as we wrap up our conversation with Austin Ward, Buckeye Beat Rotter for Dotting the Eyes and the podcast. Contribute to here on our flagship, picking up the pieces from the Buckeyes' 14-3 loss to Missouri on Friday the 29th of December at the... Arlington, Texas, Cotton Bowl. Jerry World's a spectacular place and certainly an NFL home. So that's the next question. How many we've seen a a defection from running back Maya Williams going to the NFL? We're seeing Mike Hall going to the NFL. Will there be others you think to opt in? I'm wondering about Travion Henderson. 
what what do you make of of that? What do you make of this running back situation? I frankly couldn't believe Dallin Hayden to get in the game at the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> just just take us into yeah. your mindset there, Austin. Yeah, that was that was surprising, uh, especially because it didn't feel like a game where Ohio State wanted to force Travion Henderson into a full workload. He he's been debating his NFL draft decision. There there is optimism from Ohio State that Travion Henderson uh, will return for 2024. Uh, the, the same really uh, for most of these other players who um, have been waiting for NFL draft feedback. Quite honestly, uh, I think they all expected in August that they were going to get first-round draft grades back and they would be done and moving on from the program at the end of the year. But even when that comes to guys who had Jack Sawyer who had a play, great you know, a record-setting game, three yeah. three bowl sacks in the Cotton Bowl for Ohio State. He's it feels like he's coming back. JT Tuimolo out, uh, Denzel Burke, uh, Jordan Hancock. It feels like most of these decisions are going to go Ohio State's way. Certainly with Travion Henderson, that that may well be one of the most important ones because that the depth is stretched. Not only did Mayan Williams opt for the NFL draft, but Chip Trainum left in the transfer portal, yeah. and Evan Pryor also left in the transfer portal. So the depth has been really wiped out there. There's running backs on the way in the class of 2024, and Dallin Hayden is still you know, with the program, but Travion's importance becomes exponentially more valuable to Ohio State. You get you lose Marvin Harrison Jr., Mike Hall. Uh, those are big ones. You don't want to undermine any part of that, but if that's about as bad as it gets or rough as it gets for Ohio State, that could be a really impressive class that does come back and sets the table for a 2024 year that you know, would have Ohio State again among the most talented rosters in the country. Is there a belief from you that Jack Sawyer may have played himself into a draft situation with the way he <laughs> performed at the Cotton Bowl? You could understand if that changed his mind, um, but I think that um, I don't think Jack Sawyer went into it, uh, you know, that Friday night in the Cotton Bowl thing. Well, well, this is it. This can really change. I, you know, he'd spent a lot of time in December talking about the decision, weighing the decision, thinking about his options. I don't think he was going to make it based on one really impressive game against Missouri to, to enough to change his mind because he hinted pretty strongly in the buildup to the game that he would be, you know, playing in uh, in the horseshoe in September of this year. So you, you certainly wouldn't hold it against him if that altered the thinking because there's no doubt that NFL scouts have been waiting to see sort of that version of Jack Sawyer for a long time, really back to his recruitment in Pickerington. Uh, but I, I think that it didn't change – that outing doesn't change the fact that this class of 2021 has not beat Michigan, not won the Big Ten, not won anything of substance on uh, that they can put on some jewelry and tell their grandkids about. And I know that that doesn't always win out in the argument, but I think for the most part this class really means that, that they don't feel like they can leave with such a huge hole uh, in their legacy. Austin, we'll leave you with this. Two great semifinals last weekend the championship uh, Monday night, Michigan and Washington. So this will be a future Big Ten matchup. That's a whole other aspect of this. This league next year is going to be something else. But who do you like in the matchup between the Wolverines and the Huskies for it all on Monday? I was really surprised at the way the Wolverines were able to bounce back in that game. It felt like Alabama had control of it late. You know, they were a more physical team, and, and they were going to bully it down to the finish line in Nick Saban fashion, and they did not. So Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, they deserve a lot of credit for that. I still think that they're 
perhaps a little too limited offensively to uh, you know to win one more game, especially against a team like Washington that has produced some really impressive fireworks. And Michael Penix Jr., you know, another you know the former Indiana quarterback who's seen do some dazzling things in, in the horseshoe before he transferred out to Washington. There, that is an explosive team, and uh, you know. I, they they seem to have great game plans. They've been a little bit of that team of destiny. They've not been perfect in every game. It's hard for me to pick against them. I just I, I think that JJ McCarthy is oftentimes susceptible to some you know tough situations, tough decisions. He gets away with a lot of them. We saw him do that in the big house against Ohio State in November. But I think I'd lean towards Washington in this one. But I hope it's as entertaining as the two we got on Monday. Austin, very much a defining offseason for Buckeye football. You're always all over it, and we appreciate your time. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you having me. That's Austin Ward for the Ohio Sports Magazine talking Ohio State football. What on more of the Ohio Sports Magazine this week when we continue right here on the Ohio News Network. If you have an unhealthy obsession with the Blue Jackets... We have just the remedy. Join us Wednesday nights at 7 for the Inside Edge. All the jackets and hockey conversation you can handle. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. Now let's check in on Cleveland. Eric Reeser joins us from the Ohio News Network. Talking with Tyvis Powell, a national champion defensive back at The Ohio State University, former NFL safety, current analyst on the Cleveland Browns Network. You can see him Saturdays in the fall on the Big Ten Network. Tyvis, Pro Bowl games rosters were released this week, and I saw some scuttlebutt online about what was considered a notable Pro Bowl snub in Dustin Hopkins in favor of Justin Tucker from the Baltimore Ravens. Tyvis, do you agree that Hopkins got snubbed? I do believe that he got snubbed. You know, when you look at some of these awards, there's a few people that got snubbed on these awards. You know, sometimes this thing is just about the popularity. You know, a lot of people don't pay attention to special teams per se, you know, the kicking game. Justin Tucker has missed some kicks this year, and I thought Dustin Hopkins, the way he's done it, I mean, this this guy was, I think he won AFC Special Teams Player of the Week like a few times. I don't even know how many times Justin Tucker has done it this year. So it just shows you that, you know, Justin Tucker is a GOAT. Don't get me wrong, he's probably a walking Hall of Famer. But right now, it's just I think he got that because of his name, and I think there's a couple of people that got it because of their name. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, part of me felt like Denzel didn't really deserve it because he missed so many games, but, you know, he was playing at a high level. But that's another story for another day. Talking about a guy playing at a high level that nobody thought would be doing that at the beginning of the season because at that point he wasn't on a roster is Joe Flacco and threw five starts with the Cleveland Browns, four and one, 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions, really the whole Joe Flacco experience. What do you make of his time in Cleveland and how this fan base has really embraced a legend for the Baltimore Ravens? Well, I don't pay attention to where he came from. I mean, the only thing that I pay attention to is this is a guy who won the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl MVP. This guy also went on the road and had one of the greatest road victories to get to the Super Bowl, you know, he is like you. It's Eli Manning and Joe Flacco, like those two. The way that they got and won their Super Bowls is around the same argument. Um, when as him being on the Cleveland Browns, I think that it's just been an adult in the room. It's been a professional guy that's come in there. You know, he's not paying attention to all the other stuff that's going on. He's literally like, listen, 
Now, this could potentially be the last time I play football. You know, I was just sitting at home without a job, and the Browns was, was good to me to give me another opportunity. So it's just the guy that's making the most of his opportunity. I think a lot of people have a lot of respect for Joe Flacco because he's a guy with Super Bowl, uh, he's a Super Bowl MVP, you know. So you will listen. If he speaks, you tend to lean forward when a guy like that is speaking to you. You know, I think that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski did a really good job this season going to get guys that won Super Bowls. You know, Juan Thornhill, um, bringing in, oh, Roddy McLeod, bringing guys like that in, you know, guys that won Super Bowls. When those guys talk, you tend to listen. And with Joe Flacco, I see the same thing. It's just a different energy in that room. He's running Kevin Stefanski's playbook, and he's doing it to perfection. You know, it's a guy who still has a lot of arm talent. We're watching him make these big-time throws and he's making the right reads, and he's going to the right places with the football. So I think that's what's, what's so fun about watching Joe Flacco right now just flourish in a Kevin Stefanski's offense. How dangerous do you believe this team can be once the postseason begins? The Browns is a very, 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 very dangerous team because over the course of this season, you've asked different guys to step up and make plays, and they've done that. And the one thing that the Browns have – over everybody else that's in the playoffs, to, in my personal opinion, is that, and, and this has happened over the course of this season, when somebody gets hurt, okay, for the for an opposing team, it, it causes a scramble. It's like, oh, my goodness, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to adjust. But when somebody from the Browns go down, it's been happening to them so much that when the next person go in there, they really don't skip a beat. So if an injury takes place in the, over the course of a game, it seems to me that that always works in the Browns' favor because that's what they're used to doing, to whereas other teams aren't likely able to adapt to that situation. So going into this to this playoffs, obviously I'm not wishing for nobody to get hurt, but this is football. It, it, it tends to happen. So the Browns will have that advantage there. But I also believe that because so many different guys have stepped up and made plays, it's hard to game plan because you never know what you're going to get. You know, you think you're going there and have to worry about stopping Amari Cooper, but now Elijah Moore is looking good. David Njoku is looking good. Jerome Ford looks good. Defensively, you think you got to stop Miles Garrett, but now Alex Wright stepped up. Zadarius Smith stepped up. Ronnie Hickman has made plays. Go Bucks. So it's just it's just so many different people now, and they got they've done such a great job of building up the depth of this roster that whoever's on that field is dangerous enough to make play. Tyvis Powell, my guest, and you'll be able to hear him statewide on the Cleveland Browns radio network throughout the postseason, which again, as a Browns fan, is very exciting uh, to discuss. And we're going to go from a happy to a sad here as Ohio State shut out in three quarters of a Cotton Bowl, a very forgettable bowl game for Ohio State. 14-3 to was the final uh, in favor of the Missouri Tigers. Tyvis, what did you make from that game, and what happens now for the Buckeyes? What I made from that game is that, you know, our offensive line really struggled in that game. Um, you know, and I people say, well, we had a third-string quarterback in there. I didn't really get a chance. To, we obviously, you know, going into this game, the question was, how would the quarterbacks look? Well, we were robbed from that opportunity from seeing how good Devin Brown can be due to injury. And I feel like we was robbed from that same opportunity with Lincoln because he didn't have enough time to really go through progressions to get the ball out of his hand. I think that, that the offensive line is the number one area that needs to be fixed if this team is going to be any good for the for years to come. You know, you think about all back in the days, we used to dominate the line of scrimmage, um, especially in the run game. And I think we kind of got away from that this year. 
and last year. And, you know, it was a lot of moving parts. Obviously, we were trying to replace two tackles in the center. It's the toughest thing to do, but we got to find a way to get that done. If we want to go back to the championship and win championship games, and I think that starts with the offensive line. It's about winning national championships and nothing else, or beating Michigan and route to winning a national championship at Ohio State. And my guest knows all about doing that as a national champion defensive back, the Ohio State University, Tyvis Powell. Tyvis, thank you so much for your time today, bud. Thank you. Go Browns, go Bucks. Thanks, Eric. Up next, we head south here in the Buckeye State. Paul Keels checks in on Cincinnati right here on the Ohio News Network. Join us for Gambling Things, Fantasy Sports, Gambling Things, and most importantly, Gambling Things. Hollywood Casinos on the Money, Sunday morning at 9. Presented by Ohio for Responsible Gambling. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. Now let's go to Paul Keels on the Ohio Sports Magazine, checking in on Cincinnati. We had a chance today to talk with James Rapine from the Locked on Bengals podcast as the Cincinnati Bengals go into the final weekend of the season. Kind of an odd finish to the year, James, and you consider no playoffs for the Bengals and the Browns will be going to the postseason, isn't it? Yeah, what a what a wild year it is with um, the injuries. I, I, I'm not super surprised about the Browns. I think week one they left uh, quite an impression uh, on, on everybody, that defense especially. But given all the injuries that they've suffered uh, to overcome that, I think that's interesting going into this week. And then obviously the Bengals, it was just uh, a little too much for them going into this week. You know, and the injuries have been kind of the key news starting back when Joe Burrow got hurt. But uh you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, admirable that they at least seem as though, and maybe I'm reading it incorrectly, but seems as though they maybe are going to get up in an effort to go this weekend, James? Yeah, I think Jamar is certainly going to go. T, uh, a little more iffy. He's dealt with hamstring injuries in the past. And so, you know, if, if there was something on the line, it, it, it could impact things. But to me, do you want to risk a soft tissue injury going into the off season? I know a lot of people will talk about his future. I don't think the Bengals let him get to free agency anyways, and I'm sure he's aware of that. At the same time, do you want to play at less than 100% when you've had to do that a lot this year? I'm not sure he will go. Maybe he will, but uh, Jamar Chase, I do expect to play. James, is somebody who's down there and covering the team all the time, what's kind of the sense you get with the approach to going into this game, knowing there's not another game after it, but also trying to end on a good note? Yeah, I think that's been the focus is they, they want to win the game. And that's been consistent throughout this week, starting on Monday when Zach Taylor talked. And you talk to veterans on the team. You, you, you talk to Zach again, the, the coordinators this week. Anybody that I've talked to, it's all simple. They want to win this game. They want to end on a high note. And I, I think they they realized that this was a kind of a snake bit near to a degree. And the fact that they've gone 3-3 three and three with Jake Browning as their starter and Jake has gone three and three as a starter. There's a lot to be um, proud of, I think. At the same time, they've they've came up short, and I think they want to end it without coming up short, thinking, hey, at least we finished four and three down the stretch without Joe Burrow. You know, you led me to the next subject I was going to ask you about, James, and that is uh, the Jake Browning excitement with how well he played at stretches, but then all of a sudden understanding that, you know, a guy's a backup for a reason and, you know, maybe a little reality or whatever, but it really was kind of for a few weeks there a great ride with Jake Browning. It was, and I think that's one of the Bengals' weaknesses that is no longer a weakness. Coming into the 2023 season, I think a lot of people, especially after the preseason, are like, ah, the backup quarterback spot, 
that's that's a weakness. That's something they're going to have to address. Well, now you, you find out that Jake Browning can play a little bit, and he is um, going to be back with the Bengals next year the way his contract is set up. They basically can pay him uh, a shade under a million dollars, and he'll be Joe Burrow's backup. So I would expect Jake Browning to be back next year. And at the same time, they have that spot filled with someone who's gotten game reps. So they have filled one of their weaknesses, but there are plenty of other off-season weaknesses that will be discussed for sure. As the season's coming to an end, James, uh, the Pro Bowl nods to Jamar Chase, Trey Hendrickson, and even Orlando Brown in that designation, can that be a high point when we look back on this year? Yeah, I think so. I think specifically with, with Jamar and with Trey, three straight years for both of those guys Jamar, one of, I think he's the sixth Bengal now to start his career with three straight Pro Bowls. And he just is, is one of those uh, long line, he joins a long line of wide receivers that have been able to do that. You know, A.J. Green was the most recent, and, and Jamar joins that list. So, no, two great, great players and, and two building blocks that the Bengals are obviously going to be banking on next year. And I'm glad you mentioned Orlando Brown Jr., because he played through a groin injury this year. And it wasn't always easy, I would say, for him. And there was some ugly film out there at times. But I thought overall he stabilized that left tackle spot and is a, a big part of their future moving forward. You know, when you think about what Trey Hendrickson has done and what possibly he can do with a sack title, and, you know, I know there have been comparisons made to the great season that Coy Bacon had way back in the 70s. But is this a guy that continues to show the merit in which the Bengals chased him down from New Orleans a few years ago? Oh, man. Yeah, what a steal he has been. And that's that's the only way to describe him, to get the get him for the, the amount they did. And he is among the elite pass rushers in the game. Now, he might not be as complete as some of these other pass rushers and be great against the run. That's fine. When you talk about pass rushing, though, he is up there with, with any of uh, the top guys in this league. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a unique position going into that final game. He is one starter that I would play and I would tell him to get after the quarterback and get as many sacks as you can, because how many times do you get the chance to lead the NFL in sacks? Not many. And so he has a chance to make some history on Sunday. That sounds good. James Rapine from the Locked on Bengals podcast. We encourage all our listeners to check out the podcast. And as always, James, thanks for your time. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Paul. We'll have more of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614 614- for seventy two thousand, would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614 614-470-2000. 614-470-2000. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. Our winning affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains.
Plains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from the Ohio News Network. The spotted lanternfly is an invasive plant hopper native to Eastern Asia. Today it's found in 14 states, including Ohio. The beautifully colored insects bring stress to the host plant, often contributing to its decline. Juvenile spotted lanternflies, known as nymphs, and adults prefer to feed on the invasive tree of heaven, but also feed on a wide range of crops, plants, and trees. If you suspect a spotted lanternfly infestation, contact an ISA certified arborist near you. To learn more, visit trees4ohio.org. That's trees4ohio.org. Have you ever thought about having a podiatric physician examine your feet? Doctors of podiatric medicine set broken bones, perform wound care, and remove bunions. Common health issues that they treat include ingrown or fungal nails, corns, warts, and skin problems like athlete's foot. Foot exams are easy and can prevent many foot problems. If you can't walk, work, or enjoy sports activities without pain, what are you waiting for? To find a podiatric physician who is a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. Do you want a job that is flexible, secure, and fun? It also offers excellent pay and is ranked as one of the best jobs in America, too. I'm talking about being a dental hygienist. And all you have to do is complete a two-year program after high school. Visit ODA.org to learn more and to start helping people love their smile. This message is brought to you by the members of the Ohio Dental Association. Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. It's the ultimate Cleveland sports show. And let's check in with our producer, Colin Berenger. Thanks, Matt. This week on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, the guys talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the return of Donovan Mitchell to the lineup. And the guys discuss whether the Cavs are better with or without Mitchell in the lineup. We don't talk a ton of Cavs during the season, but something's happened the last few days, and we have a little bit of downtime here that I need to ask you guys a question. G. Bush, we'll start with you. But when you look on social media, the Cavs have lost two games in a row since Donovan Mitchell has returned to the lineup. They were 3-1 and one without him with an illness. And you can find some people on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever you peruse on the internet, claiming the Cavs play better without number 45 in the lineup. What say you to that theory? I'm going to go with Stephen A. Smith voice and say, you guys should never talk basketball. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Just don't talk basketball. It's not a basketball city like that. These guys ain't out here playing no ball. They don't. What are you talking about better without them? Like they, just because you get these little Minimoski wins <laughs> against these mid bottom mid tier bottom feeder teams, Donovan Mitchell's second team All NBA. At the end of the day, we need to really examine and say, all right, who's better? Like because they're the same player, right? When you go back and you have to ask yourself, who's better, Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell? The answer is obviously Donovan Mitchell. Who has more trade value? Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell? Obviously, it's Donovan Mitchell. The thing is, we're trying to grasp at straws. This is what we do a lot. We're trying to pull and yank and because you just know. Like, you've been in one of those relationships and you've been like, man. That ain't going to work. You're just my college girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Or, ooh. This ain't long term. This is. Yeah, I, I want to prom with you, but you're not going to be. I'm not following. I, I'm going to school. Like, we know 
We've all been in a relationship where we've loved before. We've loved the Cavs. We saw what the Cavs were when they were playing the Warriors. We saw Kyrie being a master. We saw the three-point shooting. We, we obviously had the best player in the world. So you know what it looked like when you were a contender. We know this ain't it. This is Wesley Person. This is old Sean Kemp. This, this, this is, this is uh, no, no disrespect. This is Brevin Knight. This ain't it. So, no, they're not better without them. They got a roster problem. They got a coach problem. <laughs> they got a development product problem. And the two dudes they brought in here, I know you should boy Niang. Niang is big as me. <laughs> Niang is big, bro. He got you a better big, cut that he's out. big as me cut right that now. Out, man. And by the way, Struess is not a starter. How do you go from coming <laughs> off the bench? How do you go from coming off the bench to all of a sudden you start and taking jump, just pulling up? Well, that, that, that's not fair on Struess. Everything else I agree with, but the Struess part's not fair. What? what? He's not a starter. I don't think he's, he's a starter. He's not either. a starter. Without, without Garland and Mobley and without yeah. Mitchell, they're asking him to do way more than he ever yes. was. E- yes. Yeah, but I, I agree with him on that. I don't think Struess is a starter either. He's not a starter that, on the top crazy. team. That's I just crazy. don't. He was starting on the finals team last year. Dude. He's a great guy to bring <laughs> off the bench to give you three-point shooting, but... I think his. I think in his mind, he's, he's got it confused now that he's like an A-lister. Like, well, well, because they have no one else to score. Right, like, right now, he's playing out of context. Earlier in the season, when they had their guys, well, that's what we're he fits more. Him. But right now, G, you're right. Like he's not. You can't rely on Max no. as the second score. No. But to say he's not a starter, I think that would be a little. He's a starter. <coughs> he, if that's the problem, if he's a starter on your team. That's a problem. Well, you got a problem. I mean, well, we got a problem with the roster, period, because McNuggets is one that said that Donovan Mitchell isn't a a number one option on a championship team. Well, yeah, I stand on that. See? So we we already – I mean, I I think that (laughs) – We already down right there. I I would like – obviously – what you, like it's silly when a team pl- wins a few bogus games with with a bunch of guys missing that is meaningless but i will say this i think i and most other people were completely wrong about the donovan mitchell trade i think the donovan mitchell trade in the long run as good as he is and he's a great player he's an all-star the donovan mitchell trade has not i think not been good for the cavaliers i think it, it and i don't even blame him i just I think it has stunted the growth of the of the young players on this team who actually I think want to be here. We Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be here, and you can pretend all you want that he does, but if he did, he would have signed an extension. He doesn't want to be here. He's made that perfectly obvious. And I know there's a segment of fan base, Paul, you don't know about the NBA. You're right. I don't know that much about the NBA. I'm not lying, but I know enough. And and you can say, well, he hasn't said that, so why would you say he wasn't? Well, he's not going to flat out come out and say, no, I don't want to be here. It's clear he doesn't want to be here, and that's why he's going to be gone. I love trading for superstars. I think it makes a lot of sense in most cases, but I think I was completely wrong. I think this has hurt the franchise. It has set it back. It's going to lose. It's going to lead to the firing of the coach. It may lead to the firing of the GM. And who knows? Maybe Evan Mobley was never going to be any more than he is, but he cer- it certainly wasn't going to happen. He's not... Clearly, Mitchell and Darius Garland are not a good fit together. That's clear. I, I, and many others, many of the people ignored that. But it is clear that they don't fit well together. I don't like the fact that when people were criticizing Deshaun Watson for not playing with an injury, I thought that was absurd. To catch the full breakdown, just search the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube, subscribe to their page, and enjoy daily content covering all things Cleveland sports. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue on the Ohio News Network. 
Rise and shine, jabronis. What a show this morning. There's only one place where Buckeye legends lay the smackdown. Morning Juice with Bobby and Beamer. Weekday mornings starting at 6. Give me a juice box, Beyond. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. And now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. That'll put a wrap on this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Our thanks to my guest this week, Austin Ward, as well as our Locked On contributions. Now for Paul Keels, Eric Reeser, and Colin Berenger. I'm Matt Andrews. We'll have a new show for you next week right here on the Ohio News Network. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM 